today's episode, we got Veronica Latsko, another one of my former Who's. Um, she currently plays for the Houston Dash, was a great star of Virginia, and has been overseas a little bit as well in Australia. And many accolades, smarty. And so let's start with seeing what you've been up to as we're all been quarantined. How's it been? I mean, it sounds really bad, but um, it's not other than like training, obviously, which is missing from our, it's a huge part of our day is training. But we didn't do a ton outside of training the last couple of seasons. So we would literally come home, um, chill in the apartment, be exhausted from the Houston heat and like watch Netflix and pretty much just like go on a run outside maybe and order in food. Right. So right now, as we're essentially <laughs> doing all of that and like everybody has like discounts on the food, which is fantastic. And we're able to like give back to the local community, but also like our lives didn't change like too drastically. Now what's going to happen when all the delivery fees are back? It's a mistake. I know. I'm, I'm terrified that's for that. That's how I feel. Stinks. Yeah. Stinks. So how are they um, keeping you guys busy? Uh, I know we've talked with other players, kind of Zoom's been an option and, and things of that such, but how are you guys kind of staying connected right now as a team? Oh, we just did the Zoom. We just had our Zoom meeting um, that was more of like our team bonding that we do at least once a week. Uh, last week, we got to actually have a guest speaker, which was super cool. Her name's Carol Lewis. She was a track long jump and competed in four or qualified for four Olympics and competed in three of them and then switched to bobsledding like create like she has a crazy story so we were able to talk to her and she was just a great presenter and speaker and that was really engaging and tonight we did like some trivia questions that Betsy Brandon actually set up which was super cool um yeah no we were just connected via zoom pretty much like everybody else but we found ways to make it interesting it's pretty hot there right right now so you guys can kind of like work out outside and do other things kind of in the meantime yeah I, there's and actually today texas just opened up oh wow so we're the first state i think maybe or at least the first state out of like the league where the league teams are placed that has opened up so we're yeah, it's only park capacity, capacity. I think it's 25% capacity in restaurants, movie theaters, and bars. But yeah, we've been fortunate enough that it's been beautiful outside. It hasn't even been like Houston heat yet, which we're all waiting for that to drop. Well, I'm on that Have they updated you guys at all in terms of being able to train or get together or any of those things yet? Or you're still kind of in a holding pattern? It's kind of a holding pattern. They told us that May 16th is like the day that we can start going through the phases of going through the processes. So like training in groups of two or three, like training with your roommates. They basically told us that whatever the MLS is doing, we're also probably going to end up doing because our leagues are similar and we share training facilities with the majority of the teams. Well, that's at least exciting. I mean, the state will open up soon and then you can get back to your routine in a sense. I think that's been the craziest part about this. Um, yeah. Let's get into your, your story a bit. Um, 
me and you have known each other a while actually met on a field what like 15 or something super crazy how time flies um (laughs) but I do want to get kind of into a little bit into the weeds about you getting to Virginia because I I think um your story is super unique because you've been very successful but you've also put in an incredible amount of work and I think it's fair to say your for your your career it was a huge jump over time to kind of make yourself into this professional player so I guess to start there I guess let's start with was soccer always did you see this as your future I guess did you see yourself becoming a professional soccer player or was that something that was more realistic once you got to Virginia and started training and playing and doing well um I mean if you were to I really didn't see it coming into Virginia I saw Virginia as being like an incredible school where I get an amazing education and also play for an amazing soccer team that was top four caliber every year so for me I was like wow I get the best of both worlds for these next four years and it's going to be amazing and I came in there not thinking that I would be a starter as a freshman, which I wasn't, and I wasn't a starter, full-time starter as a sophomore either. It was kind of just like, okay, like you make, you make your way into the starting lineup by working hard and by putting in the hours and then you'll get there. And it probably wasn't until my junior year that I was considering, oh, maybe I could play professional after this because Steve, our coach made me into a player that, could actually compete with top players and I was pretty shocked by that because I didn't know how high my ceiling is or was and he just pushed me to become this player that I never thought that I could possibly reach without his help without your guys's help it's it's been an incredible journey but yeah going into college I, I don't think I really believe that I would play professional soccer I thought I'd go into law school right after UVA and clearly that one hasn't happened yet so (laughs) well I mean I think I think that brings up a good point so Veronica's in was went to Batten which is a the school of leadership public policy at Virginia which is very acclaimed in the politics world and so you wanted to become a lawyer and I think obviously that still sounds like it's still in your plan Mm -hmm. um talk about the balancing act I think a lot of young girls that want to you know go play universities that are very rigorous academically it's it's challenging right you want to be good at soccer but you also want to be successful in school and I think you're a great example of somebody that was able to do both so what's the kind of advice that you have and also just how did you maneuver that being balancing that over your four years I mean I guess for me it was a matter of spreading out the coursework So we were fortunate enough that we were able to take courses in the summer, which was super helpful in fast-tracking our schooling and being able to leave the university for my last semester and go and play professionally. But yeah, it was was hard. It was tough. It wasn't some cakewalk, especially your first year. I remember the first semester, you're just so stressed. And I like so no matter if soccer is going amazing like we went we went to the national championship and I would still tell you I was so happy to go home because I was just like I'm so stressed like soccer is stressful and trying to figure out how much time to devote to school is stressful and going home that semester or after that semester ended was like a nice reprieve but it was the last time that I wanted to stay at home for the full break because 
literally the moment we came back for spring, it's like almost everything clicks. And you're like, okay, well, you have to figure out how to prioritize studying versus like seeing your friends, especially when you're living in a dorm or an apartment complex where all your friends are readily accessible. It's like, okay, well, I, yes, I could go hang out with my friends 24 seven, but we should all probably devote like three to four hours of studying because we're going to have five hours of our day chopped off for soccer. So it's just kind of prioritizing your time and come that spring semester of your first year, you kind of get it and it kind of clicks. And then after that, you're like, I never want to go home. You're like, I, I want to stay at, I want to stay at school for the entire summer or for, I'm going to go back two days early from winter break. And you're like, right. Oh, yeah, no, that'll be fun. That'll be good. And you just, you learned to live that high paced lifestyle and coming out of that lifestyle into the professional soccer landscape where you train for four hours a day, maybe have a meeting for an hour or so. And then you have like 12 hours of free time. You're like, what do you do with all this free time? <laughs> You're like, oh my gosh, this is ridiculous. I am. Right. So I used you, to make you the joke that. I used to make the joke that spring semester was tough, tougher than the fall because you're like out of a more strict routine. So you're like, oh, I have more time on my hands. I can do this later. And then you yeah. procrastinate and, and things like that. So I guess something I wanted to talk to you a lot about was was mindset because I think if anyone knows you and it's very evident from your personality, you're very much a positive person, um, probably more than most, which is a great quality of yours. But, you know, I think as you talked about, you had this slower progression of uh, like most, honestly, that go to big time soccer schools, it wasn't like you walked off, you know, right onto campus and, and everything clicked and you're starting and you're playing every minute and kind of talk through that humbling process. I think that we all have gone through in terms of realizing that your moment will come and that you have to keep giving every day your best. Um, because obviously, you know, being strong in school and bring, being strong at a strong soccer school, it's like, perfectionism is a thing right and and I think as athletes oftentimes it's it can be devastating when you're not where you were in high school so talk about that a little bit and kind of how you kept yourself positive through the process I mean for me I think a lot of it comes from the people that you surround yourself with so I surround myself with incredible teammates like yourself and Stearns and Rudy and Nog and Kristen and Brittany and I could list literally every single person on our women's soccer team and I could be like no matter who you were with that day you were around somebody who was positive who would be genuinely interested in what was going on in your life and if you were stressed out or if you were kind of down on yourself that day you would have these positive influences around you that would be like oh okay well like I also went through this hardship and I can help you with this or I relate to that or I understand that that struggle and you kind of get uplifted because you have such a strong support system and kind of just reinforces your own positivity and makes you want to be that support system for your other teammates and for your other classmates and your friends on campus it's it's nice to help people when they feel like they're in a low moment because it almost makes you feel a little bit better about yourself too. Like at the end of the day, you reflect on it and you're like, well, like, yeah, maybe I didn't start that game, but I just helped my friend get through that final that she, she failed. 
or I just helped my doormate when she got broken up with her boyfriend and you know what maybe it wasn't a great soccer day but school rocked today and I killed that midterm and it's finding the wins in it's finding the little wins and that's just with life that's with injuries that's with with everything because it's so easy to dwell on the negatives it's so easy but it it's more of a challenge to think about the positives and to be grateful for the little things and you know as athletes I feel like we're all ready to take on a challenge so why not do that right so I don't think it's new news that you're very much of always I could always categorize you as an effort player you um I've seen you in many games with me there as well as other professional games you're in if you don't know Veronica she will literally break her bones before she lets someone take her off the field um I guess you know when I was thinking about this and thinking about talking about you I was I was thinking to myself you know there's so many things in the process that you don't control right? You may have a bad day. Maybe it takes you six months to get something technically correct because it's just challenging. But I always appreciated the fact of your effort and effort players that we had because it's like that for me is very controllable. My ability to give everything that I have is controllable. It may not, I may not be the best on the team, but I can give everything. Where, where do you think that stems from you? Like, where did you get that mentality in terms of, you know, being someone that frankly, every time I've seen you play, it's, you're going to give it everything you have. Where do you think that started? And, and kind of what advice do you have for people that maybe struggle with that? I would say, honestly, I probably started when I was, when I was younger, but it was because, I mean, I came, I came from Western Pennsylvania, Pittsburgh. And Back then, it wasn't a huge soccer bed. Now, I'm pretty sure it's a pretty big soccer bed, but I also am so not with the times. Um, But, yeah, it just wasn't huge on soccer. And for me, my coaches were just like, you know what? Just just go out. Go all out. Like, what do you have to hold back? You You never know when your last game is going to be. And it could be in high school, it could be in middle school, it could be in college, it can be 10 years into your professional career. So why would you not give everything you have on that field? Why would you waste energy that could be given? And I was like, that is a great point. 100%. (laughs) Should definitely do that. And then put that with coming into college and not being the most technical player and not being the fastest player. For me, I was like, yeah, you know what? The only thing I can control is how hard I work. And I'm going to make sure that I'm one of the hardest working players on this field every time I step on it. So that, hey, you can't, you can't knock me for not trying. I, I tried my absolute best and I gave it everything I got and I probably passed out on the sideline, but <laughs> I'm, I'm here. I'm here and I'm still trying. Even if my passing accuracy is 22% and I'm so sorry. But yeah, that's, yeah. yeah, it's, it's, you play every game like it's your last. Absolutely. So I think that's a good transition to kind of, you know, you had a great senior year, you, you know, did well in the ACC, you have an opportunity to play professionally. Um, but I think it's nice to remind people that unlike the assumption, you were a drafted player. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're guaranteed a slot 
on a team, regardless of if you're one or 25th or 15th, whatever your situation may be, you still have to go into a camp and earn a spot. Um, talk about that process, like your mentality going in, um, obviously being very successful at realizing that like this was not, you know, you, you don't sign the dotted line and it's everything's guaranteed. Kind of walk through your your first little stint there in, in Houston and, you know, doing so well and gaining a lot of playing time, you know, for somebody who didn't have guarantees going in. Um, talk about that. Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's it's a unique process because I feel like a lot of other sports, when you get drafted, it's almost like, oh, like you got drafted, like here's your huge signing bonus and here's <laughs> your multi-million dollar contract and you're on right. the team set. And for us, it's more like, okay, well, this is the only team that you can go and try out for. And good luck because if they have 50 forwards – and half of those forwards are on the national team, chances are you probably aren't going to make it. And it's like, that's great. Okay, cool. So I'm basically just going for a tryout, which is what my mindset was. I had zero regard for the fact that I was drafted. I was like, you know what? I got, I got drafted, but that, that's great. But if that trialist over there is out competing me, I, that, that doesn't help me in any way, shape, or like that doesn't, my draft order doesn't matter. What matters is I'm able to show up and play and be effective and make an impact on every training that I was in. So that's, that's what I pretty much went into it as. I was like, okay, I better be an impact player every time that I'm in this training session or every time we do a scrimmage or when we play college teams. I was like, I'm taking this as like, I'm going all out. I don't, I don't care if you're four years younger than me. I'm going all out and I'm going to try my hardest and work my hardest to get a spot on this team. And yeah, and it, it was, it was such a nerve wracking process. My roommate and I are, are both in the same draft class and we were terrified the entire time. She was drafted number six, I think overall. And she was terrified. She was like, I, we, I have no, there's no guarantees of you making this team. If you're drafted number six out of 500 girls, it's like, you have to, you have to go all out. You can't take anything for granted. And that's what we did every week because we were terrified that we would get waived at any point in the season. <laughs> Those were cycles. Unfortunate. Also, it's real. Yeah. It's an unfortunate reality. So talk a little bit about, because um, I, I think that brings up a good point. A lot of people don't know what it's like in terms of the lifestyle. Um, can you talk a little bit about like maybe if you had expectations and also just like ki kind of what the first season was like for you? Was it kind of what you thought? Was it higher than expectation? What was that experience for you as a professional athlete and transitioning from the college setting to now being, you know, a full-time player? Yeah, I mean – I came into my first professional season with no expectations. All of my expectations were, I want to make the team. And then after I made the team, I was like, all right, I want to try to, I want to try to get into the traveling 18 or the dressing 18. Cause I was like, I want to dress. I want to try to dress every game. And then after that, I was like, all right, I really want to try to play every game. I really want to try to play every game. And then after I started getting minutes, I was like, all right, I think I can push to be a starter. I was like, I want to try to be a starter in some of these games. 
And now it's like, okay, well, that I want to be a starter. I want to be a starter in most of these games, not all of these games. And it's just – it was almost just, like, gradual goals that I saw as realistic that were still pushing me, but it wasn't something that was like, oh, this is my first professional season in the league. And this is just for me personally. This doesn't – just because this is my goal doesn't mean others. Right. But, like, coming into – Coming into the dash, I wasn't like, oh, okay, well, like, I'm going to be a full-time starter for every single game, and then I'm going to make the national team and get signed by Nike. Like, <laughs> no. Nice. Yeah. yeah. That would be, that'd be a dream. It'd be a dream. Yeah. But if you set these super high goals, then you get let down a lot, and it's really hard to try to make progress if that's happening. So for me, it was just these – these step type goals that I tried to keep in mind and tried to keep at the forefront of my thoughts and thinking about the little wins, like, right. Oh, I had a good practice. Like, okay, sweet. I had a good practice today. Like I'm, I'm writing two. your advice down for myself. Cause I think that's a really good. <laughs> no, seriously. I think that's a really good takeaway. It's oftentimes when you, when you reach three steps ahead of where you, where you need to be in R and there's other steps in between. I think it's oftentimes people, experience that quote-unquote failure and then they kind of give up um so on that point I think you know to tell out the story a little bit more you had a great first year for somebody that had just come onto a team and you got a lot of minutes you were doing extremely well um you go and play for Adelaide in Australia um which you had a, a great season scored a bunch of goals you're coming into your second year it is like here we go I'm gonna be a starter you tear your ACL for the second time yeah Talk about kind of, you know, you're on this like slow incline, you get to almost like, I don't want to say the peak, right? Because we're always continually growing, but yeah. I can imagine even for someone as positive of you, that was heart-wrenching in a way. Um, and you've already been through an ACL, so she, you had an idea of what kind of work and time it was going to be to recover. How, how did you handle that? How did you handle now, you know, and I hate to say it like this, but it's like, like you said, right? You're not making all this money. You could, you have a great degree from Virginia. If you wanted, you could have said, okay, I'm going to go study to be the LSATs and try to be a lawyer. I'm going to go try to find a job. What made you kind of say, you know what, I'm going to work through this again. Um, I want to keep playing and I can get through this. I guess, honestly, it's, it's kind of like a moment where, you know, and like I, I tore it and I was devastated and I was honestly just like incoherently sobbing for probably the first two hours. Um, I remember I texted my parents, each of them. This is horrible. So like people are listening to this, do not do this. <laughs> I texted my parents each separately. I tore my ACL and then provided no context, did not answer oh, gosh. for like three <laughs> hours. <laughs> and I was like, okay, I'm the worst daughter ever and I'm so sorry. Um, my roommate actually ended up calling them both and explaining the whole situation while I was getting my MRI. Um, but yeah, it was, it was when I was talking to the surgeon, which was like three and a half hours after I tore it. So I like tore it. They put me straight to the hospital, got my MRI, talked to the surgeon and the surgeon was like, all right, well, like, what do you want to do? You tore your ACL. Like, I'm so sorry. Yada, yada, yada. Um, and I looked at him and I was like, okay, well, how fast can I recover? Like, would I be able to recover and play in the Australia season, this upcoming season in November? And he was like, 
all right, it's going to put you at like six and a half, seven months where you would be starting practice full, full on contact and games in eight months, like starting in games in eight months. And he was like, you can do it if you're willing to put the work in. And I was like, all right, let's do it. I was like, when's the fastest I can get surgery? And he was like, I can do it tomorrow morning. I was like, can you do it today? And he was like, no, no, I can't do it today. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> It's 9 p.m. I have to go home to my family. (laughs) Yeah. All right, fine. You have a family. Go for it. I was like, all right, yeah, first thing tomorrow morning. And yeah, it was like that moment that I was like, I'm not ready to give up. And I was like, no, I'm I'm doing this, and I'm gonna go and play in Australia, and I'm gonna kill it there, and I'm I'm gonna come back to the NWL ready to go. And that was literally those six and a half months, seven months before I got to Australia, where I was just like full on every day I woke up and it's PT for hours and hours, strength and conditioning for hours and hours. And even if I can put weight on my knee for the first six weeks, I was like, I'm going to be running when it's normal schedule. Like I'm going to be doing this everything safe, but fast. So yeah, I mean, you know your body and you you move ahead and luckily I think having a little bit of an experience with it before you probably knew even more um I think you know and it's I know you guys have and it's incredible I've actually visited in Adelaide I visited in Sydney you guys have an incredible experience going over there and playing but you know I guess it's a more general question but what is your hopes for the state of women's soccer right I think there's so much opportunity there right for you guys to go overseas and play but I think it's fair to say that it's a lot of strain to go back to back seasons, which ends up for a lot of players being like three to four years of playing eight seasons or double seasons a year. And I know you guys go because you love the experience and you have friends there, et cetera. But at the same time, it is an opportunity to make money, which we all need, especially at this point in time. Um, Yeah. Like what is, what's your hope? You know, I mean, I know you're, you've only been in the league for two years and and we're in a very unique moment right now, but I'd make the argument that we're in a unique moment for women's sports to kind of get out there. And, you know, um, unfortunately the Olympics got postponed, which is always good for us as a sport, but um, yeah. What's your hope kind of moving forward with the league and extension or, or, or just kind of your general idea for the, the, your hopes, I guess I'll say. I guess, like you said, it's amazing that we get to go to Australia and have that opportunity to play year-round, but, like, it's a a double-edged sword. You play year-round, and you set your body up for getting hurt and for pulling quads and just the little injuries that can be nagging throughout the entire season. And people might see that as, like, oh, well, it's just a strained quad. It's like, I can't run at 90%. So I can't go and play in a game. And that puts you out for potentially four or five games that season, which is tough, especially when you're like a bubble player that isn't fully starting every single one of the games. I guess, yeah, my hope for women's soccer is that we can have a league that's year-round, that's able to have us as – like able to support us year-round, able to have like a full-on – salary than living situation and setup which is being which is really nice because now it is because we are being provided housing year-round which is huge after this past year 
And yeah, I think having to extend our games to more of like, I would say a nine or 10 month season and having a two month like postseason would be ideal so that you're able to have some time off, but have the majority of the year you're playing soccer and being in a place where you have a nice setup to play soccer. Um, I don't know when it's going to happen or if it's going to happen. I hope it does. And I hope it happens soon, at least while I'm still around, because I don't know if we're going to be, how long we'll be able to go to Australia, how long the leagues will coincide with one another. Right. This is a kind of a general question. Maybe we'll come off a little hard, but if going through your journey now, <laughs> no, honestly, going through your journey now um, and being playing for so long, you know, even being young, what kind of advice would you have for maybe the 15 year old Veronica? And, and that doesn't necessarily mean that the 15 year old Veronica thought she was going to be a professional soccer player, but any female athlete right now that, you know, frankly can't look forward and say, okay, here's a million dollar career for me but they may have an opportunity to play to the high school level, if that's what they want to do, to the college level, to the pro level, whatever that is for them. Um, what advice would you have for them, especially for those that, you know, maybe going through the hardship that you have faced with injury and, and other aspects and other hurdles in terms of playing time and things of that matter? I guess I would say play as long for as long as you love it and as long as you're able to. I mean, you only get to play this sport for what's in like the grand scheme of our lives. Like you only get to play this sport for a fourth of your life, if that. And so why hang up the boots earlier than you need to? A lot of people said this to me when I was thinking about whether to go professional or not. They'd always say law school is always going to be there. It's an institution. It's not going anywhere. It's been there for many, many years but you only get this short window of time to play. And whether it's playing in college or playing professional or playing in high school, I'm, I've continued for as long as I have because I can't stop loving it. Like when I tore my ACL the second time, all I could think about was I, I'm not done yet. It's not, I'm, not, I'm not done yet. And it's not even close to being done yet. And I take every season as it is at face value. And I think, okay, well, if I'm having fun still, I'm going to keep going. And it doesn't mean that you have to have fun every day with it. My goodness, the amount of times that <laughs> would be so frustrating. Oh my gosh. The games where you would be a heartbroken or yeah. so pissed that you didn't play and you warmed up for 90 minutes. It's like, yeah. Am I, am I having fun doing that? No. But for the major like majority of it, if I can look back on the season and be like, I I had a lot of fun and the people that I got to meet were that's incredible. I'm not gonna be able to be put in that situation ever. When you get to go and live in Australia for four and a half months out of the year in your life, never. Like it's it's just incredible. The places that soccer can take you and the people that you get to meet, it's something that you can't trade for anything and yeah I yeah I think you, I would I think I think you bring up a good point about you know not making it so heavy because I think that's often a hard thing to do right especially when society would tell you otherwise right like you could go to law law school law school is incredible you're, you're gonna like go play and make no money and do this but it's like 
I think you make a good point. The, the experiences, the people, the passion, loving what you do. I think sometimes it's undervalued. I'm hoping that's kind of the change we see from this, you know, situation that we're in that people can really say, okay, you never know when your time is and you got to utilize their moment and, and do what you love, regardless if that means you'll make a lot of money or not. Um, but on a lighter note, we're going to go back to quarantine. <laughs> what are your binges or activity binges that you want to let the people know that they should be doing? What's on Brownie's well, list right now? Oh, it could be an activity, a Netflix show or shows or anything. What, what are you well, doing? Right now, I'll start first with like the major change because it used to be just like binging Netflix shows and running around the parks. Okay. Um, right now, I got a puppy and I rescued her from um, it's called the Great Pyrenees and Paws Rescue of Houston. And shout out anyone in Houston, get your doggy. <laughs> yes, she's precious and perfect, and we haven't officially adopted her yet, but she is absolutely amazing and just so fluffy and takes up every single second of my time at the moment because I don't want her to go to the bathroom inside. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much been what's going on now, but we're able to still binge Netflix and Hulu and Disney plus and every other streaming account possible at nighttime. Any kick you're on? Any kick you're on any show? <sighs> we just finished killing Eve. So we're <sighs> keeping up with it the yet. season. <gasps> it's so I love good. Sandra O. I love yes. Sandra O. And she acts just like Christina still. Like, she's still, like, a little bit, like... And that's why I can't watch yet, because she still has my heart from Grey's Anatomy, and I'm like, I don't know. No, I know. She's great. Um, and the the woman that plays Eve is also, like, a great actress. Like, this girl yeah. throws accents like no other. I was like, <laughs> you're not actually Russian in real life. You're English. That's so funny. Like, yeah. Yeah. That's well, one of them. Um, I'm trying to think. Netflix wise oh we watched Tiger King that was did you see that not yet I know you just gotta Publix I'm in Florida I'm in Florida and Publix <laughs> is selling uh Tiger King cakes I'm like like legit like with the the whole thing it's so funny <laughs> and I'm like the way trends get going man well V I really appreciate you coming on I'm hoping that we can chat again once you're back in season and see what it's like to be a professional athlete maneuvering whatever whatever the situation is I couldn't tell you we don't know anything I'm hoping that I mean I don't know how fun it, I think you guys could play without fans but I'm hoping to watch some soccer soon yeah. and I hope it's the NWSL because I would love to see more exposure for the league but um yeah thanks so much for coming on and chatting with us and telling us about all your stories and advice and I think you're gonna kill it and you have a lot of more time to do that and I'm glad you're healthy now so 